Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this podcast and we pray that it blesses you. For any information on this sermon or our other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. So exciting. Last Sunday afternoon, down at Waikuku, we baptised 12 people um, and it was such an exciting family event. Um, Two children and everyone else I think was over the age of 30, which is just amazing what's going on, what God is doing in the heart of this church. And so, man, we took such a crowd there. There was about 70, I think 60 to 70 people that turned up and then we all went down to the beach and when we're baptising, um, it was just like there was a stadium of people and everyone else who were there was just in on it watching and people would come out of the water celebrating, clapping. It was just, man, next time's the baptism service, you are all invited. Like, it's, it was so cool. I'm going to speak in bop here. If, uh, we're probably all good now though, guys. Thanks. <laughs> oh, awesome. The other night, okay, I'm going to try and stop. I am walking stiffly. Uh, the other night, um, oh, there it is. Um, it's like on command. I hear it and I'm like, woo, it's the happy sound. <laughs> Who loves Pegasus Playground? Like if you're a dad or a mum here, it's just such a great go-to. The other night, Deb was out. I was like, I need to take the kids out to do something. It's too hot. They're not going to go to sleep. This is going to be ugly. Let's get in the car and go to Pegasus Playground. And so uh, we did that, and it was awesome there, scooted around the lake, um, and then came back, and the merry-go-round. Who loves merry-go-rounds? They've got one there. Wow, there's an adult that loves a merry-go-round here. That is, a, you're gifted. Uh, and so, <laughs> I'm just sorry, you love me, yeah. So we were at the, on this merry-go-round, and, and all the kids are like, Josiah's included, faster, faster, and you know, Dad's running around the outside trying to keep traction and, and get this thing going really fast. And they're like, let's stop it quickly, stop it, stop it, stop it. So we stopped it really quickly. And then one of the kids said, Josiah, get off now and run. And so Josiah goes, whoa, plop. <laughs> and just totally lost his balance. And then the kids are like, let's do it again and video him this time. <laughs> so I was like, sure, let's, no, I was not like that. We don't stage our video moments as a family. We're just like, They are all real, pretty much. (laughs) Who loves that feeling that you have after you've been spun round and lost your balance? Anyone in here? It is an ugly feeling losing your balance. And I just looked into the why of this. Why do you... Why do we feel so awful after we've spun around and then um, and we've lost our balance? And it says that research tells us that um, that as we as we spin, the liquid in our ears. We, did you know you had liquid that's meant to be there in your ear that actually spins with you? And so as you get momentum, this liquid has momentum, and then when you stop the liquid actually keeps going round in your ear and that causes you to feel dizzy and like, you know, you've lost your reference point for which way's up, which way's down and left and right and, and you're going to find something or someone to hug uh, or a tree or you're going to find the ground pretty quickly, right? <laughs> so that is why we lose our, our balance and uh, there's so many things in life where we're trying to find our balance. We um, used to go water skiing up in uh, Machuaika. There's an amazing area there where the tide's in called Kina. And my uncle, who was a legend, had this boat called, it was called the boat. And um, and we'd go speedboat. Yeah, we'd, 
go fishing and all that on it. And but, you know, we would be water skiing every sort of third day up there. It was so cool, always uh, to get out there. And um, I learned to water ski, and my youngest brother and my younger brother learned to water ski. And then I remember watching my youngest brother learn to water ski, and he is nine years younger than me. And we pretty pretty fast he adopted the name the submarine because uh, he just. Just took a while for Cam to get his balance on water skis, and I'm, I'm actually not sure if he did. So you can always ask him if you see him. Uh, and, and but what he used to do is that he would he would always fall forward pretty much, and then he wouldn't let go of the of the rope. Though he were, I, he I think he thought I can you know I can bring this back. I could my skis are behind me, but I'm going to try barefoot. But what he did is that he would hold on to the rope and he would actually go under the water. So that's why we called him submarine. And there was this massive rooster tail of water used to just <laughs> up over his head. And it was so funny. And, and we used to just like give him heaps about that because he just couldn't, couldn't get his balance. But go Cam. Actually, Cam yesterday um, had a baby with his wife, Miriam. Yeah, well, she had the baby. He was like, go you good thing. And... Had a wee boy, uh, and he is such a cutie. Um, so I don't know whether you've learnt to ride a bike, whether you've learnt to water ski. Anyone love water skiing? Done, yeah, water ski. Whether you've learnt yeah, snowboarding or skiing, and and no matter what uh, you know what you're trying to learn to do, before you can choose the direction that you want to go, whether you're skiing, mountain biking, or whatever. You have to first get your balance. You have to first master your balance in whatever you're trying to, to master. And so we want to be a people who, who can actually step out confidently in where we're going in life. And, you know, as it is in the natural realm that we're fighting for our balance sometimes, you know, so it is in our soul and in our spirit where, where we're actually fighting to keep our balance in life, or we're learning a new way of doing life, and it means that we have to relearn our balance again. And I just believe that in this season particularly, that this is a season of order, that actually that God's calling you into a new order to find a new balance in the way that you do life. And so no matter how turbulent it's been, no matter maybe in the season you felt like you've been going round and round and round. I just want to get off this thing. And it comes down to maybe you feel like you've lost your reference point for actually what is true and actually where am I going and how do I feel stable in my life right now? I want to tell you that there is hope in Jesus Christ, that He is the one who is going to bring order in you and through you into the world around you. And He wants you to step out as a person on Monday morning when you go, here's the new week in confidence, assured that this is your call and this, and I have the balance that God's calling me to have in life. I love Habakkuk 3.19. It says this, the, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. This morning, my message is just called Discovering a Better Balance. You know, I love this illustration, and we've seen deer, if you've seen deer, about how the heck they can get up some of those cliffs and how they maintain their balance as they have this, you know, this amazing climb ahead and, and, uh, right up, and you think, man, what if, what if they fall? They're going to just, you know, they're going to be instant venison, and, and they're able 
to climb on those heights because they have confidence about where they're going to put their feet. They have confidence in the ground. They have confidence in their ability and who they are. And I believe as a church, we're meant to climb on the heights. As families, you're meant to climb on the heights. As individuals, you're meant to climb on the heights. You're called to the heights. You're called to adventure. You're called to, you know, you're called up. You're called up. God's saying, come on, come up with me. Come away with me. And he's calling us as a church to climb on the heights. But we must do this with the right kind of balance in our lives. This is amazing uh, Bible hero. You've probably caught, heard of him. He's called uh, Moses. And he was renowned because he had these incredible miracles that actually flowed through his story and it impacted, you know, nations around him. And, and you've probably heard that, it, you know, was, of his first encounter with God was like miraculous as well. It wasn't just a, a voice, you know, in, the, in his head or a, it, it was a burning bush. God was a light in a burning bush and he saw the burning bush and then he goes, uh, he's called to go into Egypt and he's called to set a nation, the Israelites, free from Egyptian oppression and, and God sends these plagues so that to the Egyptians so that, that Moses would be able to run free with this nation. And as they're running free, you know, he's the guy that put his staff in the water and the sea parted and they crossed through on dry land, land and then it closed up and the Egyptians were swallowed up in the sea. This guy, it seemed like he could just do miracles at will. He would just pull a rabbit out of a hat at any moment. And he, he had this incredible grace on his life to display this divine authority and power of God. It looked like just at will. And, and we look at that life and go like, wow, do I, you know, I, I can imagine there's some people here. I was like, do I really believe that happened? You know, do, it's amazing. You know, what, what could, is that same God able to do the kind of miracles or, or some miracles in my life today? And how could I get myself into a position or to a place where, where God could, let the miraculous th flow through my life. And, and today I just want to spend a, just a little bit of time just looking at really the secret of Moses' success as someone who walked in authority with order in his life. In Exodus 33 verse 11, it said this, it says, Inside the tent of meeting. See, there was a tent of meeting. Moses had a place that he would go to. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And so, you know, you pull back the curtains, the miracles and all the wonders and all that, and we, and we look in behind that and we go into this tent of meeting. And in this place, we see that Moses had this incredible friendship with God. They were face to face and they would talk like friends. And in this presence, and, and Moses would encounter God and he would find his balance. He would find how to walk and he would, he would get strength so he could do the things God was asking him to do. So he could be steadfast in his call and confident in the way that God was calling him to tread. And so right in this moment, of, of Moses being in the, in, the, in the wilderness, I just want to bring a little bit of context around what, what's actually going on. And, and as, as Moses talks face to face with God, see, they were in the wilderness. There was a massive gathering of a nation of a million people at this time. And, and God said to, the, to Moses in this face to face conversation, He said, Leave this place. 
and move into this new territory that I have promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, these guys were father and sons. There's an incredible uh, call on these, this family's life to go and take the kingdom and to, to see, you know, this nation of Israel be birthed and to inherit their promised land. And God was saying to Moses, hey, I want you to be a part of that story. I want you to be a part of the story that I'm writing into history, into the pages of history. I want you to take your place and see this expression of my promises flow through your life. And I want to tell you that every single one of you in this room are a part of the story that God is writing. You may not be leading, you know, a million people with you at this time, but you may have, you've got burdens in your heart. You've got dreams that you're aiming for, and it's a part of God's, you know, plans and purposes to be unfolded through your life. And so Moses responded and said to him in verse 15, if your, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. And he's like, hey, God, without your presence, without you, without face to face, there's no purpose for us to go. There's no reason I would want to go and in the morning, and I think we can see in this text why he got up in the morning. We can see in this, like, why he put on his robe, why he combed his beard, why he found his staff, and why he put on his sunnies, and, and why he went out of the tent in the morning and he faced up to the challenges that were in front of him as he led a million people across the desert. Why he was able to carry the weight of this challenge was. I'll do what I do, Father God, if your presence goes with me. His why, his why, his why. Why do you do what you do? Why are we doing what we do in life? For Moses, it was, I want to, I'm here because your presence has led me here. I'm, here. I'm in this place because you've put me in this place. So Moses was, he discovered that if he was able to find his balance Walking a nation of people across the desert, he had to be in the Father's presence. You know, new phases in our life and new seasons in our life, they, they just come, they can just come on us all of a sudden. It's like, wow, what, what was normal doesn't feel normal anymore. What was my routine feels like it's got stale and old. And I just believe in this time as a church, it's a time for us to really consider, is God still leading me down this path? Or is He bringing a shift? Is He creating order, a new way of walking, a new way of ministering, a new way of doing life as a person? I think that we all need to be, you know, take this seriously and say, hey, God, where are you in my life? Where are you in my moment? Because I believe we'll never find balance if our purpose is disconnected from His presence. We'll never achieve that balance that we're looking for if it's not centered around Him being a part of our lives. You know, I've had a few friends uh, recently who have, uh, have had this nasty virus, and it's meant that they've been just confined to their beds for up to 48 hours because this virus has actually caused them to lose their inner ear balance. 
It's, it's meant that that's come on them and, that, and, and everything that felt like it was stable, you know, it was suddenly, I, I, I can't, I'm going to be sick. I just can't do anything. All I can do is lie on my bed because this reference point for what was stable was being interfered by this virus. And, and it felt for them like the world was spinning out of control. It's, a, it's a, just a horrible, horrible space to be in. It was like, hey, I'm in bed and my circumstances are spinning around me, you know. I'm like, what, what's going on around my life? And, and, I, and I don't know if there's anyone here today and you feel like that maybe you're just like, all you can do is breathe. All you can do is just like lie there and go, man, I just feel like my life's out of control. I just feel like my circumstances are just, the things that are surrounding me are just spinning out of control. And I want to tell you today that there is great hope for your life, no matter what situation you're in, Jesus will meet you in that place. It's really awesome. The, the circumstance, the, the Latin origins of this word, uh, it actually means surrounding condition. And because circum is like the circle, it's what encircles our life. And stance is our position. It's, it's the way we stand. It's the way we position ourselves as life happens around us. And so I want to encourage you today that no matter what our surrounding condition is, maybe it's fear, maybe it's insecurities, maybe it's loneliness or regrets, but the Father's wrap around presence, His encircling of your life will encompass you and your stance will not be hindered because of His wraparound presence. He wants you to stand tall in his presence. It says in Psalm 62, verse 2, He alone is my safe place. His wraparound presence always protects me, for he is my champion defender. There is no risk of failure with God. So why would I let worry paralyze me, even when troubles multiply around me? That's an amazing word, isn't it? Why would I let worry paralyze me? Even when troubles multiply around me, why? Because he alone is my champion defender, my wrap around presence. So what was Moses saying as he walked this nation through the desert, the burdens? You know, there was, they didn't have insurance back there. They didn't have, you know, welfare. They didn't, he was, he was carrying this nation and walking this nation, and I believe he must have been saying to himself some pretty powerful things. What was, you know, if he went to Richard Black, the, the counselor, what would Richard tell him? What would his truth coach be? And I, I believe it would be something like this I was never created to do this alone. I was never created to go it alone. I, and, and the way I consider my future, I was never created to consider my future alone. I was never created to do the tough times or the, or the good times alone. I was never created to go it alone. See, I have been created to be fully alive in the presence of God. That's you. That's you. Everyone in this building to be fully alive in the presence of God. So Moses is continuing this conversation with God. And, and, and the next thing he does after he says to him, you know, I'm not going unless you go with me, is he asks God these two questions. And it says here in Exodus 33, 16, he's, his first question was, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go up with us? 
Eric Liddell, I don't know if you've heard about this guy, but he was born in China to uh, missionaries and, uh, in, in the early 19th century. And he won gold in the 400 meters at the 1924 Olympics as a runner. And he, there was a movie made about him called Chariots of Fire. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Yeah, there's a soundtrack coming on over there. Uh, <laughs> I like the Mr. Bean version. I don't know if you've seen that. That's, that's great. <laughs> but when Eric was asked um, why he did what he did by his sister, you know, why are you a runner? You know, your parents are doing this. Why are you doing what you do? And, and he responded by saying, you know, I, I feel God's pleasure when I run. That's why I do what I do. And, he, and he, he ran in this lane that he was called to run in, and that's where he discovered that God's pleasure was assigned to him. And I want to tell you that everyone in this place has got a, run, a, a lane to run in. <laughs> You've got to run, you know. You've got a call and a purpose, and that is not apart from God's pleasure. Like he loves you as is, where is, today. And if you're not running in the lane, he's called you to run. And he wants to bring a shift around your life so that you would know pleasure during the day, that you would know when you wake up in the morning, what you're going to go and do brings pleasure to God. It's pleasing to yourself and to Him. And that's a great way of discovering your call in life is are you happy doing what you're doing? He wants, you know, he, you want to know his smile over your life, whether you know that or not. <laughs> he is smiling over your life. This question, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me unless you are with me, addresses Moses' belief that the pleasure of God must be connected and central to where he was going in life. Do you know that he's pleased with you as you walk out the door in the morning? He's pleased with you right now. He's pleased with you. He's not in a bad mood over your life. He's not waiting to give you a hard time. He's pleased with your life. Moses' second question was this, Exodus 33, 16. What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? What's the point of difference? And that word distinguish in Hebrew, it means this, to show marvelous, to be set apart, to make wonderfully, to be surpassing or extraordinary. Like, that sounds awesome. Like Moses is aware that, man, if God's with me, I'm going to put on this marvelous, extraordinary display of God's grace uh, through my life. But Moses was like, wow, I'm actually prepared to stay in the wilderness with you, God, rather than moving on to the next thing without you. Despite how marvelous and all that, everything that's going to be amazing, I, I know that I cannot move from this place without you. He was, he was saying, I'd rather be in your presence than fulfill my purpose. He was saying, let the essence of why I go, why I get up in the morning, why I, why I lead these people, why I have got a dream for the promised land, why I, I, want, to, you know, I want to see success in my life, let the effort, essence of, of why I go be because that you are the wonderful, extraordinary, def defining factor in my life. 
Who loves Star Wars? Anyone in this room? More second service Star Wars lovers? Yeah, come on, second service, you know it. I've just been dipping my toe in Star Trek on Netflix, and it's just like, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> in the first Star Wars movie, I think it was made in 1977, right in the opening scenes, there's this explanation of what had happened before we actually jumped into the movie. And they say, it's something like many lives have been lost to bring us this information. And the information is in the movie is it's, it's these costly plans, and, and they were the plans to actually destroy the Death Star. Spoiler alert, sorry, you know, if you didn't know, the Death Star explodes and all that. So, I oh, know. And so these, these plans were given over, and they said there's been a great price to bring these plans. And then recently they brought um, Rogue One, the, the movie out, and it, actually it's a prequel, and it's about the, 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 these guys that went and, and paid the price to get the plans to destroy the Death Star. It's a cool story. It's an amazing movie, isn't it? Come on, yeah. And I just want to talk to you about the prequel moments of Moses having this face-to-face encounter with God because he's done something to set up this kind of relationship. He's done something to set up this kind of encounter in this place of meeting, and it's called the Tent of Meeting. And this is where he talked to God face-to-face. And I just want to, I want you just in these, we've got four points, and just as we move towards the end of the service, I want you to just open your heart up to what the presence of God and to who the presence of God is on your life. He wants to move around you. He wants to move in you. He wants to move you. He wants to fill you. He is so around your life this morning, and he wants to encounter your heart today. And so Moses had prepared this place that he would go. And it says in verse 7, it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. My first point from this is that finding balance requires movement. Like when you learn to ride a bicycle, you can only have the balance while you're moving. And the very simple point that I want to pull out of this today is that Moses just left the noise of his life. He left all the chaos of the people and what was happening, and he went to a place where he could separate himself from the busyness of life, and he talked. That's where he he connected with God. He had to do something. He had to get out of his seat. He had to come to the altar. He had to change something that was being stationary into something that was moving, and that was his body. (laughs) And I want to encourage you, if you've never encountered the presence of God, the first thing that you're going to have to overcome is that little voice inside your head that says, stay there, stay there, stay in your seat. Stay there, you don't need that. You know, that's, that's not for you. That's, you're going to have to move past that. You're going to have to break through that for you to encounter the presence of God. May, and I'm not saying that everyone needs to encounter the presence of God here on a Sunday morning because we need to do this on a daily basis, whether you need to get up a little earlier or set some side of time to connect with God. But that's the face-to-face. Moses did that. He's showing us here how to set up the balanced life through what he's done here. PowerPoint. I'm reading PowerPoint. 
verse 8, when even Moses <laughs> instructions for media team. Media team, you are amazing. Thank you. Uh, verse 8. Whenever Moses went to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand at the entrance of their own tents, and they would watch Moses until he disappeared inside. And what really captivated me in this verse here was it said that he disappeared inside. He moved into another realm. He disappeared from the natural realm and and reappeared in the spirit realm. Sure, he was there, body, soul, spirit, I'm sure inside the tent, but he made a deliberate, conscious effort to go, I'm gonna go to this place, and in this place, I will have a spiritual encounter with God. Every single one of us is body, soul, and spirit, and that spirit place, God wants to connect with you. I love in Colossians 3.3, it says that we are now hidden in Christ. It's like we've disappeared from view. See, in Christ Jesus, that is where the fullness of who we are is found, and He wants to encircle us with His wraparound presence as we are found alive in Christ. In the Passion Translation of that verse, it says that we have now been crucified with Christ and we are hidden in Christ. You know, in Christ, when we're talking about being crucified with Christ, it means that Christ actually took everything, all the guilt, all the shame, all the junk, all the fear on the cross, and He took that on our behalf. And it means that I want to surrender my life to you, Jesus, as you surrendered your life for me, and I don't have to carry that any longer. That's the kind of spiritual encounter that Moses is showing us here, that we could disappear from our former self and come alive in Christ. Verse 9 says, As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover over its entrance while Moses, while the Lord spoke with Moses. While the Lord spoke with Moses. Number three is finding balance requires Opening our hearts to God's Word. Opening our hearts to His instruction. Are you ready to hear the Word of God for your life? He wants to speak over your life. He is speaking over your life. He's saying incredible things about you. He wants, to, he wants you to discover what He's saying in His Word. He wants to speak to you through the Bible. He wants to speak to you through dreams. He wants to speak to you through the prophetic voices of people who are calling you, calling out and saying, hey, I see this on your life. He is speaking to you. But Moses had positioned himself to receive the word of God. In verse 10, it says this, when the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. My last point is that Finding balance with the presence of God creates ripples. It creates a ripple effect into the lives of others. Others are watching you. You carry more influence on your life than you actually realize. People are watching you. They're watching what you do with your life. And with Christ, you have an opportunity to reveal what love looks like in our community to reveal what love looks like to your family and reveal His goodness into the world around us. I just wonder if everyone could just stand.
with me right now. I just want to, we can just turn down the house lights. That conversation goes on with Moses and God. And in verse 19, God says to Moses, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. And I want to tell you today, if you've got a question mark about the goodness of God, I just want to tell you that he's so good. He is so good over your life. He's so good over your history, over your current circumstances, and he's good. He's got it. He's got your future. He is good over your life. I just want to share a few encounter moments that I've had as I've moved towards the presence of God. When I was in my younger 30s, I used to suffer from so much stress. I, I had a business and and I just was so fearful of what, you know, how was I going to provide for my family? And what was, you know, I was just so wrecked with stress. And it caused me to have this really painful stomach condition that was just constant. Sometimes it would be really bad and sometimes it would be just, you know, just bearable. And and I remember going to this camp. We went, or just a, went to a home actually up in Hamner and we just to seek God and pray. And... and so I was get, receiving prayer. People were just around me just saying, you know, be healed. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, please, because I'm in pain. Right, I'm in so much pain right now. And, and Chris, who was the senior pastor of this church before us, was, um, he just said, everybody just stand back and let the presence of God touch him. And just as everyone stood back, I just received like this, uh, there was a feeling, there was like a rush in my life, in my and in that moment, the pain just just went, just gone, immediately, finished, because the presence of God encountered this this pain. It, 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 I can't explain it. There wasn't. I wasn't on medication. The the presence of God encountered me. It wasn't any magic prayers. It was just Jesus loves me, and His love looks like something, and therefore you're going to be healed. Such an amazing moment in my life. When I was a 13-year-old, I remember going to a camp in the Marlborough Sounds and I hadn't had any real connection with like Jesus and, and love and all this sort of thing. I had a great family home, don't get me wrong there, but I was like, I don't understand that God could be with me. And I was standing there in the worship and all of a sudden I just bawled my eyes out because I had this incredible, it was like this wraparound presence that I've been talking about today. Just come and just say to me as a little 13-year-old, you know, I'm, I'm with you and I see you and I want to be like a father to you. And man, that just changed my life. Just changed my, changed the course of my life. When I was in my mid-20s, um, I was just dealing with a whole lot of stuff that had happened as a young teenager around bullying and it's such a low self-esteem and self-hatred and I just really struggled with liking myself and I remember just being in this room actually and just receiving prayer and talking about this pain in my heart and feeling all these emotions and in that moment I just like God's wraparound presence came into my heart and he set me free from my insecurities he set me free it was him it was Him. He did it. He brought the freedom into my heart. He did it. 
Last night, like most Saturday nights, I, I, I struggle thinking about Sunday morning. I, I, I worry about, does my message make sense? Are people going to understand how much God's for them? What's going to happen? And Because and, I, I could never imagine myself doing what I'm doing. I had such a fear of public speaking. And, and I don't sleep a whole lot usually on Saturday, Sunday, Sunday mornings. I'm usually wrestling through something. And last night was pretty much the same right through to about two in the morning. And I was just, you know, I was just leaning on God's Word, just, just trying to push into His love and His presence and just telling myself that today's going to be good. It's going to be a great day. And just in that moment, I just felt like this thing just like shifting around inside my heart. And I, like, I knew I had to go down to the lounge and just pray some more because God actually wanted to deliver me from something. And I just did a whole lot of coughing and like just um, like freedom came just last night. Just freedom came into my life again. And, and, I, and, and the things that I've been trying to push against suddenly just felt so real suddenly felt like, wow, I can just take peace. I can take peace and walk in peace and I can go to bed and sleep in peace. And I went, I went back to bed and as I was drifting off to, to sleep or just like communing with God, I just saw this, like he showed me this vision of this red ribbon that he wanted to give me. And it was, and it sounds weird. And look, if, if you're not a Christian or you don't understand this, that's totally okay. But I feel like it's kind of weird too but this is what I'm just telling you what I'm I just want to be real all right so and he said this is the red ribbon of revival and and he and he just just I don't know kind of came down here and then I saw some gold stuff I don't know what that was about but I was like gold's good <laughs> and revival was a it's a funny kind of a word but you know I don't know what you need in your life revived but God wants to revive you. He wants to revive your purpose. He wants to revive your identity. He wants to take your life and show you how much you're loved. He's so for you today. He wants to fill you and He wants you to know the wraparound presence that His strength will give you. And this morning, I want to give an opportunity to respond to his presence and maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your you know as your leader as your savior as the one who's with you and for you I want to give you an opportunity in this moment and, I, and for those who are here today who you're like I just um, I just want to open my heart to the presence of God again I just need refreshing I just want to create a, an opportunity up the front for you to respond to that maybe you're here today and you just, you want to move towards Jesus in this moment. And it just starts with a simple prayer. And that prayer is, Jesus, I want to follow you. It's not a flash thing, but it's just something that you can say in your heart, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want to follow you. And you can make that prayer your own right now. Jesus, I want to follow you. But if you're here today and you're like, Glenn, I want, I want to be filled. I want to follow you. I just want more of the presence of God. I just want to ask you to lift your hand right now. Just say, yeah, Glenn, that's me. I want, I want, 
I need an encounter. I don't want to go out of this building without you. I don't want to go into my Monday without you. I want to be refreshed with the power of your Holy Spirit. Is there awesome? Awesome. If that's you, just lift your hand and just say, yeah, Glenn, that's me. You know, if you've lifted your hand this morning, we would love to pray for you. We would love to lay hands on you and just minister the love of God into your life. If you did raise your hand this morning and you would like to receive prayer and refreshing encounter His presence, I just want to invite you right now just to come up to the front. Just to respond. There's a ministry team here who are going to come forward right now as well. If that's you, just come on up. Just come on up. Like this, you're amongst friends here. Like we are so for you. And I want to encourage you to move. You know, like the first thing I said, there'd be people here right now who are just feeling intimidated, worried about what other people think. What could you lose by coming forward? You will not lose your dignity. You will receive a fresh grace for your run and your race. So come forward. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just invite you and I just pray over everyone who's just wrestling through anything right now that you would give them confidence and courage in this moment. We love you, Jesus, and we open our hearts to you. If you haven't responded, now is your time to respond. Thanks, church. Thank you.